Hi everyone, Simon here. We're currently on a break, but we'll be back soon with new episodes. Hopefully you're enjoying some well-deserved rest too. But if you're like me, the wheels never really stop turning. That's why we're re-releasing some of our most inspiring episodes. Today, it's my conversation with Tim Brown, co-founder and CEO of Allbirds, one of the most inspiring sustainability-driven companies in the marketplace today. This week, I'm chatting with Tim Brown, a former professional soccer player who represented New Zealand in the World Cup and co-founder of Allbirds, a fast-growing, sustainability-focused footwear and apparel brand that's really capturing the public's imagination. Allbirds won the Time Magazine Award for Innovation and was one of the first companies to label their products with the amount of carbon generated by the production of each pair of shoes and their apparel. So Tim, welcome to Lead With We. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Now, first up, I've got to explain that Tim is a Kiwi from New Zealand and I'm an Australian. So some of you listening to this podcast might not understand a word we're saying, and we apologize in advance, but we're going to understand each other better than ever. Tim, for those of you who don't know um, what Allbirds is or where they came from, give us a little bit of the backstory, how the company was started, you know, a little bit about, you know, its story in New Zealand and when you came to the U.S. Sure. Yeah. It's, so we're a team of, of, of nearly 500 people with our headquarters based in San Francisco, uh, nearly four and a half, nearly five years old, somewhere in that range. So not, not that old, but born from an idea that I like to sort of say was a bad one for a long time before it was a good one. Born back in New Zealand, actually in Wellington, um, where, I'm, where I'm from and, and where I grew up, uh, that focused on the design challenge of making a singular shoe with a without logos, without bold colors, just focused on just a minimalist, really simple approach, which was sort of an observation for me, someone who was sponsored in in those days by one of the big sportswear companies, was a gap in the market. From there, I I visited my first footwear factory. I knew nothing about shoes and really stumbled, genuinely stumbled into this uh, enormous category. There's something like 20 billion pairs of shoes made a year and realized this was an industry that, that had this like low cost mentality defaulted to making things really cheaply out of synthetic materials and started to imagine uh, products using things like wool and, and um, making shoes from, from, from nature. And, uh, you know, that's evolved into a much larger purpose around sustainability, which I can tell you about, but that, that was the starting point. I mean, many people have traveled to New Zealand and Australia, but what some people might not know is that you know, you really are steeped in nature every day. I mean, you really, there's so much land, there's so much sort of of the natural world to take in. And I do think that we instinctively have a strong connection to nature. Is that why you cared about not only creating a simple shoe, but a sustainable shoe? Like, why did that become important? You know, it'd be really easy in hindsight to sort of say that I grew up with uh, an affinity for the environment. But I'd always dreamed of one day being a professional, playing in the A-League, going to a World Cup with New Zealand. And I was able to achieve that. But through that sporting career, I did start to understand the value of purpose. And I just, to be, to be really clear, and I, you know, I, I think the distinction between passion and purpose is a really important framing of this for me. You know, so I'm passionate about chocolate biscuits. I'm passionate about the first season of MacGyver. Like I'm passionate about Manchester United. But purpose is different. This is devoting your time and your career and your energy to solving a problem that exists in society that's far greater than you, that is urgent and worthy of that effort. 
And were you looking for greater meaning? Did you feel that inside you or? I found it. I found it when I was playing for my country and I realized that was something that transcended the sport. It was bigger. And the idea of being part of a, uh, a team that went to the World Cup and, and, and I was in 2010 was, was, was something that hadn't happened to that country in 28 years. It was going to leave a legacy. You know, launching the business with Allbirds, we started to make shoes and, and solve this very technical, challenging problem of making a shoe out of wool. But it was only when I met my, my co-founder, Joey, that the purpose became clearer around the environment and around the problems in the fashion industry and the footwear industry around making things more thoughtfully. And, and so that was a huge unlock for me. And, and let's talk about that for a second, because, you know, it seems like sustainability in many ways is almost table stakes in almost every industry, but especially fast fashion, footwear and apparel. So, you know, how does that work? Do you just go and plug into what is a supply chain for a lot of different sort of you know, brands out there that sort of make different shoes, but you know, the, the sustainability credentials are built into the supply chain and you just plug into that. Or is it rather you have to look at this from scratch and design it from scratch and find the right suppliers? Like, how do you kick off an idea like this? Well, it's, it's very much the latter. In the, in, the, in the case of, you know, and again, we have to go back four years ago or even you know, longer when I first started working on this. Like in the footwear industry, it was make it out of synthetics because they're durable and they're cheap and you know, they last kind of forever and, and just do that. And so now you're, you're going to try and make shoes out of wool. It's a material that the, the footwear industry just hasn't seen, ignored, put in the too hard basket, the too expensive basket. So you're going to innovate. And that took years and hundreds of prototypes literally 2007, 2008, when I first started working on that, 2015, when we formed Allbirds, 2016, when we, we launched. So it was years of just trying to work this out. So, and, and for those who don't sort of know the story, what on earth does Allbirds mean? Where did that come from? Uh, you know, Allbirds is a little bit of a nod to the, to, to the origins of our story. When people first came to New Zealand, there was literally nothing there but birds. It was all, it was all birds. And... Um, uh, no mammals, and and obviously that's changed. So it's a, also uh, a tip of the hat to the idea that when birds are okay, the environment's okay. Because Joey had come into this, and we'd partnered. Our wives were best friends. We'd met and decided to work together. Um, he'd come into this in the same way that I had a product design vision. He'd come in with a vision for climate change as the problem of our generation. He'd come in with a vision that business could be a force for good. He came in with a vision that the fashion industry and the footwear industry have been paying lip service to the idea of sustainability and that there was a there was a need, a fundamental need, an urgent need to make the products and services that we love with as little to no environmental impact as possible. And that was what he'd devoted his entire career to. You know, you, you describe this thesis in a kind of very evocative way. You talk about the desire to tread more lightly. What what does that mean? You know, I I, I think it's you know, I, I think um, I think a couple of things. Um, you know, to, to our earlier point, when you hear the word sustainable, and particularly in the context of fashion, you assume that's going to be more expensive and it's going to be less good. You know, so let's not do that. So in, a, in the case of using, deriving our materials from nature, in the case of wool or eucalyptus, you know, let's do that so it makes a better product experience. And I think we, we started with this idea that people don't buy sustainable products, they buy great ones. And I think we've come to believe four and a half years in, a product can't be great unless it's also sustainable, but I think, we, you know, even four years ago when we went to our factories and we just said, hey, you know, for all the various components, and there's a lot of them in a shoe, we want to pay more to use just sustainable, environmentally friendly components. They were like, well, why do you want to do that? Um, but, you know, we, we were really, we understood there was a bigger, there was a bigger, more important sort of purpose behind it. And in the case of, you know, the business model, we always knew that the business needed to be big to have the type of impact that we needed in a huge category. And then in some cases it was going to help us. So, 
I'll give you one example that EVA is um, one of the most commonly used materials in footwear. It's like a rubber foam. It's probably on your sneakers right now. Made from petro-derived materials. We found pretty early on that we could make it from a waste stream of the production of ethanol from sugarcane effectively, and we could make it in a carbon negative form. And traditionally in the, in the footwear industry, you, you launch an innovation, you keep it to yourself, you keep it secret. What if we made that open source and we did that not just because we're good guys, but because the more people that used it, the cost would come down. And so we did that and, and it became a Time Magazine innovation of the year. And there's now a hundred companies globally in the process of using it. It's the same, if not better than the Petro derived alternative. And I think it's a great example where the intersection of, of business uh, and purpose come together to actually make the sum greater than the individual parts. And it's an example, I think, of treating more lightly and, and sort of some of the ethos that we have as a business. It, it is such an important point that you're saying here, because to many young business leaders, you know, it could be counterintuitive where, you know, you've got this IP, you've got this breakthrough solution, and you might want to hold it close to your chest. But by sharing it with people and changing the industry in the process, you can level up the industry, but also you've got all this earned media because of the role that you play in that. You see that with Tesla when they open up the battery technology and their IP so that there's more charging stations around the country. We just started working with Adidas. Like in the footwear industry, that's not what you do. You don't work with your competitors. You keep them at So up. how did that come about? I thought that was a fantastic story. It, it, it redefined competition. How does even a conversation like that begin? We're, we're not in a race with Adidas. Like... We're not even in a race with other people in the footwear industry. This is the bit that we've come to realize. Like the, the human race is, is, is urgently, uh, whether they believe it or not, and most do, increasingly do, understand that we have a global carbon footprint. We've got to reduce, and we've got to do that quickly. And we're a tiny footwear company. So to achieve that, we're going to need to write the rules differently. We're going to knock down traditional barriers of competition. We're going to share uh, best practice be far more transparent, and we're going to need to move much more quickly. And in the case of Adidas, part of it came from our carbon numbering, um, sort of, which I'll talk to you about in, in more detail. Part of it came from this idea that we, you know, we need pledges for 2050. Don't get me wrong, um, and they're really important. But what can we do right now, and and how fast can we move? And so uh, we decided to start working with a storied brand because we had some clarity on, on some of the questions and we felt like they might be able to bring us closer to the answers more quickly. And I, I, I mean, it's so exciting. When you're starting a new company or you're trying to compete in a crowded marketplace, especially like footwear and apparel, your instincts are to try and compete in a traditional sense. But what you're saying is you don't necessarily need to worry about com competition in that framework, but rather the thing that you're trying to solve for or compete against are these issues that are compromising humanity, the planet, and so on. And that gives purpose a very different role because people think traditionally you've got to plug purpose into the traditional for-profit world. What you're saying is let purpose be its own thing. You know, Serve your purpose most effectively through the tools that you've got, like the company, your employees, your products. And oddly enough, by doing that, by opening up your IP, by taking the um, industry to the next level, that grows your business as well. Has, has that been your experience? Purpose and the, the profit piece of it don't need to be mutually exclusive. They can drive to the same outcome. In fact, they're better when they do. And I'll, I'll give you one really concrete example. Um, you know, the topic of sustainability, right? Like big word. What does that mean? It means a hundred different things to a hundred different people. To one person, it's about air quality. Uh, um, to another, it's about recyclability. It's about fair trade labor. It's about end of life. It's about biodiversity. And the short answer is all of those things matter. 
Um, and, you know, chapter two of this conversation for us is the connection to this idea of a unifying metric around carbon and carbon being the, 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 the singular uh, number that has mm -hmm. financial implications. It connects New Zealand with Australia, the fashion industry with the transport industry, and ultimately all of us as individuals to a global carbon footprint we must reduce. And we worked this out. And so we measured our entire company footprint. And then we realized we could boil that down to individual footprint um, numbers for our products. And so in the same way that calories go on food, this year we started labeling them, uh, you know, our products with, with these numbers. And all of a sudden now, mate, we're, we're making decisions, right? Like uh, with financial implications, because if we don't, we're going to tax ourselves. We're going to have to pay for offsets. And all of a sudden we're bonusing our executives around this carbon number. So traditionally when you go to make a product, you're thinking about three things, right? You're thinking about what it looks like, the design of it. You're thinking about the utility. And then you think about how much it costs. We're introducing a concrete variable around carbon is a fourth sort of factor in the way that we think about making products because we know that any number greater than zero and on average it's about nine kilograms of carbon uh, uh, for every uh, pair of shoes that we make. We're going to have to pay for that with carbon offsets to make our business net zero. Offsets not the total answer, but they're effective tax and incentive in the sh in the short term. And we know, you know, that we now have to drive that number down because as our business grows, that's going to become an increasing sort of like financial tax effectively you know so if that was applied to every business tomorrow entire industries would change companies would go away you know the, the people getting out in front of this understanding this i think are the ones that are going to win in the long run and again we don't have all the answers we're, our numbers are greater than zero but we're pretty heartened to see that logitech the big tech companies now um, labeling their products with the uh with the kilograms of carbon unilever started to do the same thing so i think there's going to be this huge shift towards this number and this way of thinking. And I, and I think our employees are energized because they're designing a t-shirt and they're realizing, oh, hang on a minute, that as well as being judged by what this thing looks like and how it fits and how it feels and how much it costs, we're also gonna be judged by a number on the tag that discloses the amount of carbon. And next year, if we want to have our salary fully realized, we're gonna to have to improve that. You know, what's powerful for those listening is that you can hear how Allbirds is putting the different pieces together that really make a new way of doing business, footwear, apparel uh, possible. Tell us how, you know, you must attract a certain type of employee when you're approaching things this way, and it must foster a certain type of culture. Tell us a little bit about that, either whether, you know, your come from generates something organically or whether you nurture it in some specific way. Yeah, it's it's a great question, and I mean, we we were founded as a, as a B Corp right out of the gate. Um, you know, just in terms of employees, I think I was blown away by how many people were coming to us in the early days wanting to work for a B Corp. For them, it was a very important badge of a new generation of businesses that were going to think differently. Well, for those who don't know what a B Corp is, you and I, you know, we first and all birds are both B Corp. Just give a quick top line on what that means to be a B Corp. Effectively, allows you to enshrine in your governance, a, a cause beyond just making money. And then the second part of it is B Corp certification, which is a publicly disclosed score out of 200 that you have to apply for every two years. Um, and you know, it forces you to get really clear on what you're doing for your employees and what you're doing for... Yeah, it runs the gamut from your environmental footprint to diversity and inclusion. And that score isn't static. You can actually improve your score year by year as we've as we've tried to do and and uh, you know it's 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 just a good thing but like the ability for us to be compared with an investment bank to be compared with an advertising agency it's like it's all imperfect 
but it's fundamentally brings us together, right? And it means something because of the fact everyone's invited. And similarly with carbon and all the other aspects of sustainability that we described, it's not like we're not thinking about biodiversity. Of course we are. We're trying very, very hard to do the right thing in all areas, but the carbon, the unifying metric of carbon is so important, right? Because it allows us to get on the same page around sort of really key sort of structural decisions around business and, and, and things like that. What is really important is, and I hope people are hearing this, is that what all birds and B Corps are doing is they're creating these new vectors that define what success looks like. Up till now, for the last several decades, it's all been about profit and bottom line and share price and market share and so on. But now we're talking about these unifying elements, which might be you know, your carbon footprint. The same way, for example, people are looking beyond the GDP as a measure of economic growth to happiness or well-being, as you see in Iceland and New Zealand. And ultimately, without those metrics and without them being unified, we're never going to get a systemic solution at scale that can actually solve for these problems that are threatening humanity and the planet. And that's why it's so important. Sure. Yeah. It's, you can start to see how this plays out, I think. And you're seeing a huge influx of sort of investment funds that are focused on doing the right thing. So performance of a business is, is actually about reducing our carbon impact at the same time that we grow, you know, revenues and ultimately profits over time. So the connection to the financial community, I think, is a big evolution of the conversation around sustainability. You stepped into a really competitive category, Tim, and, you know, it's hard enough in its own right to do that. But then you've You've, you've gone into all these different markets from New Zealand, um, you're in San Diego, Boston, you're all over the US. You know, when you're looking to scale your impact, some people might say, hey, why don't we build a strong foothold in New Zealand first and after five, 10 years, venture into Australia and Asia or APAC? How come you went so wide so quickly? What was the thinking there? Yeah, it's, 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 an, it's, it's a really interesting question and a good question. Um, I th- we, we had this thesis that there was a young person who was starting to sort of question the idea of like, what does this all mean? Who was caring deeply uh, about the provenance of the things that they wear and, uh, and they buy, um, was caring deeply about the environment. And that same person existed in, in San Francisco and in Auckland and in Sydney and in London and Shanghai and, and in Tokyo. And that by connecting them, we could do uh, something quite powerful, I think, to bring people together around, around this through the business, to use our, as we've started to sort of understand this and just to be super clear, like we're learning every day, like four years ago, I wouldn't have been able to have the same conversation with you. We've been putting the pieces together, uh, knowing that the purpose, we knew what the problem was. Now we worked out how we could best solve it. And, and part of that is bringing that together. And I, I think what we're finding is there's fascinating discrepancies. Like the conversation in Europe is way further ahead than it is in America. You know, let's not get into the politics of the current moment where climate change is a footnote in, in an election and all the ways that it's not in other parts of, the, you know, of, of Europe. Uh, take China, for example. They've just made a big government pledge around 2060. Um, and, and I think you know, that we can feel with our office of 20 people in Shanghai, the movement on the ground and the interest in the topic of sustainability and the environment sort of building on the consumer level. So bringing those people together was part of the thesis. So, you know, as you look to the future now and the strength of what you've done so far, where do you see not just the footwear and apparel industry going, but business going more broadly? Because what you've really done through the partnership with Adidas and others is you've reframed competition in a different way because you've set up different goals, different metrics for success that allow you to work together. So if you were to sort of, you know, look into your crystal ball and say, hey, here's where things could go in the next five years, what would that, what would that look like? 
Uh, oh, that's a big question. And I, I certainly, you know, I mean, I think uh, I've got a few hunches and nothing more than that. I, you know, I think, what is a calorie? Like, not that long ago, the idea of like calories being on every menu and going into McDonald's and being there and, uh, you know, it's, it's quite an interesting sort of case study. And I, I think I often will look to historical case studies to try and understand and unpack sort of uh, emerging ideas and narratives. And I think, you know, Calories are a pretty ubiquitous idea, albeit that no one actually knows what one really is. But it's 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 a it's a guidepost for making healthier decisions, and and it's not an unimportant one. Uh, similarly, with you know, so with the carbon number, and I think this idea of being able to label products so that consumers at the checkout are able to evaluate their personal carbon footprint and evaluate whether they want to get on a plane to Australia if they're going to do that three or four times a year. Um, you can't eat McDonald's every day and you probably don't want to be on a plane every day if you're trying to ultimately over time develop a sort of a, a lower carbon footprint sort of lifestyle. So arming people with, with those choices, I think, is, is, is going to be one real, real, real key theme. And, you know, the bottom line of this whole discussion is that, as you say, you know, we're not pretending it was perfect all the way through, but there is a lot of strides that you've made that are inspirational, that have challenged the industry, and you've grown from strength to strength. But tell us how this premium you put on purpose has translated to the bottom line. Because a lot of people are, you know, we hear things like, oh, how much should I put on my budget? Should we put towards purpose? How much should we put towards profit? Or you hear people trying to dovetail purpose in. What is that direct correlation you see between being so purposeful and business growth? I mean, I, I just, I think about it more on a personal level, to be honest with you, in, in terms of me, just me. Uh, and I think about what it's like just to work at a job. It's one thing. It's another thing to find like a problem that's so important, it's so worth solving that you that nothing's going to stop you. That feels to me like the definition of the way you, you maybe want to live your life is like going after something that, that is, is, is worthy of, you know, of, of your best efforts. So I feel very fortunate in that sense um, that I, you know, that that's a big aspect of what we're doing, which again, hard, don't have all the answers, but I feel like, you know, you're driving towards a problem that's worth solving. And, and so that's where I, the way I would think about it is that, you know, I've, I've also sort of found whether it be in sport or in business that if, if you're enjoying yourself, you've got a smile on your face, you feel like you're doing something that's, you know, big, working on something that's bigger than you, then the profits and the, the, the other things will, will find you. And one piece of advice for the founders out there, for the business leaders out there on the strength of sort of falling forward as you've done, you know, one piece of advice you might share that you've, you've taken away personally. You know, I, I think the role of doing it with someone is, 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 you know, we run the business as co-CEOs and, and Joey and I met through our wives. They were roommates at university and on the surface couldn't be more different, American and New Zealander, um, you know, engineer and a designer and a soccer player who you know uh, and, and and I think doing it with someone that that is different from you that has a, a shared vision that you can you know shared qualities and values that you can align on but ultimately comes at a problem from a from a very different perspective I think has been quite important for us and, and quite frankly like makes the whole thing more fun make no mistake about it starting and launching a business is extraordinarily hard it's it's not all roses. I really hope I haven't painted that picture. <laughs> uh, this was a bad idea for a long time before it was a good one. And, um, you know, but doing it with someone uh, allows you to kind of get feedback, good and bad, and, and, and also to, you know, keep a smile on your face uh, so that you don't think that what you're working on is too important. 
Tim, thanks so much for sharing these insights and also for challenging all of us to think about success in different ways. I really appreciate it and learned a lot from this conversation. So thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's been a great chat. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Lead With We, where I was chatting with Tim Brown, co-founder of Allbirds, who shared with us how purpose can be the defining compass of a high growth business and how together as business leaders and founders, we can redefine success to drive profit and better our future. Make sure you subscribe to Lead With We on Apple, Google, or Spotify. And please do recommend it to your friends and colleagues so they too can build purposeful and profitable businesses. And if you'd like to learn more about how you can build a purposeful brand, check out wefirstbranding.com, where we have lots of free resources and case studies. See you on the next episode of Lead With We.